Shut up and sit down. Hi, everyone, and thanks for check, checking out episode four of the HW Prospect Show. I'm Jim here along with co-host for the episode, Alex Appleyard. Alex, how are you, man? Yeah, I'm good. Surviving lockdown, but good, happy to be sp- speaking about some hockey prospects. Yeah, another week, another week of lockdowns gone by. Uh, we're still here, so apparently we're doing okay. Uh, we're joined today by a guest who happens to be head of the European Scouting Department for Dauber Prospects. Yoka Nevelane and Yoka, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Doing as good as we can be over here. Uh, thanks for joining us. It's a real treat to have you on. Uh, what's life like out in Finland these days? Uh, it's a bit bit boring these days, I guess, <laughs> with everyone on, on lockdown. But uh, I think this is a situation that unifies us. So it's it's kind of a similar situation for all of us in different countries. So everyone's kind of going through the same thing. And what we're doing here is we're trying to provide uh, a way for people to feel a little bit more normal by still talking about hockey. Uh, We have obviously the NHL draft still, I think it's still supposed to happen over the summer. Um, So we have a list of some prospects here and some pretty damn good ones to get to. And why don't we get to them? So you guys both uh, gave a a list of a couple names with uh, some players on here. And we'll start with uh, Yoka's list here. At the top of the list, we have... Topa Niemela. Did I get that right? Yeah, close close enough. Topi Niemela <laughs> would be would be how we say it in Finland. So okay. close enough. Can you tell us a little bit about Topi? Yeah, I think he's he's by far the, the best Finnish defenseman in this draft class. Uh, a really, really smart player, a two-way defenseman. He uh, in his junior years he used to be more of a Offensive guy, but now he he played the full season at the men's level in, in the Liga uh, on the Karpat team, which is the, the best team in the in in the country. So he he worked really hard to earn that spot uh, on the team every, each and every day, and had to work on his defensive game a lot because uh, he he wasn't there to put up points. He was there to move the puck and make smart decisions with the puck and. Play play good defense. So, so I think he grew a lot this season, especially his two-way game and and all that. And he's he's still gonna need a couple of years before he's gonna play in the NHL. But I think his NHL certainty is quite high. It's really easy to see him playing like middle pair minutes at the NHL level in a few years. So uh, he he's an excellent skater, good puck mover and solid two-way guy nowadays okay so i'm looking at some of his uh his player facts here he's six foot currently 163 pounds so it seems like maybe he's got to grow into his frame a little bit there uh, a right-handed yep. shot which i think a lot of teams covet nowadays in the nhl uh, 18 years old so he's still a young kid uh yeah you're right so he's not putting up many points but he's a good two-way player like you said alex you have any thoughts on topi um, before this year, the only time I'd really seen him was in international play. 
I watched a bit of him at the World Hockey Challenge in the 17 tournament last year and the World Juniors under their 18 tournament. And you could see the the talent there right away. Like, like Yaka said, he's got an amazing kind of skill set. He's a great skater, really good offensive player. Even though his goal totals don't show it as well, he has a pretty hard shot that he gets through quite often. And I think as he gets a bit bigger and stronger, he'll get even better in that regard. But one area he, I think he used to struggle at a lot was kind of um, in the defensive zone, especially when even guys his own age were forechecking him. He kind of struggled to get out of pressure situations, got pinned against the boards, struggled in those physical situations. But I think this year, from watching him uh, occasionally in Liga, he's really figured some of that out and playing in kind of a limited role where he's expected not really to provide tons of offense, but just chipping where he can move the puck up ice and play solid defensively has really helped that side of his game. And he is physically underdeveloped. And if you can deal with guys in Liga forechecking you when you're 18 years old and 160-something pounds, it's quite a good sign going forward. Um, I mean, I wouldn't really worry at all about the lack of production in Liga. I mean... Generally, the European leagues, Liga and SAL especially, are slightly lower scoring than North America. Um, and seven points in the first three games without heavy power play time, generally playing kind of in a more limited role, I really don't think is an issue. Yeah, I think he will probably be kind of a, a good bet to be an NHL player down the line. And I think he will very likely be there when the Flyers pick. I think kind of his range for me would probably be around that 25 to 35 mark. And there are quite a few defensemen in that range. We talked about Helga Granz last time round, and he's definitely one of those guys who, if he's there, he's a potential pick for the Flyers in the first round. I don't think he'll get to the pick in the second round. I think he'll be long gone by then. But in the first round, he is a name. Here you go. Right-handed defenseman, pretty good uh, all-round game. And yeah, he might be a few years away, and you wait, want him to put on, say, 20 or 30 pounds and mature into his frame and keep playing well in Finland in that time. But he's definitely a consideration for that Flyers' first-round pick, I think. Yeah, and we uh, on episode three of the show, I had Dan Silver and Manny Benavidez on, and we were talking about uh, a player by the name of Linus Ogbear. Did I get that one right? Yeah, Linus Ogbear. Yeah, uh, and he's he happens to be a right-handed shot as well, no? He's a, no, he's a lefty, but he's he a plays mainly shot. on the right. Well, okay. he, he switches between. Okay, and, and what we were talking about is it doesn't look like they're going to bring him back this year or there's there's some uncertainty there so maybe they maybe they do go look for a guy in the draft who can play on the right side and and maybe Topi Niemela is a guy they're going to look at <clears throat> so let's move on to our our next guy and Alex the first guy on your list here Emil Andre yeah he's a really interesting player in my opinion I think he's going to be one of those defensemen along with Nimela, along with uh, Schneider, who we talked about last time, along with Granz, who is going to be there most likely in that 25 range and be a fair pick at that range. It's not like you're going to be reaching for him or like he's going to be a faller. He's a kind of guy who's going to probably go in the 20 to 35 range. I mean, he was the top scoring defenseman in Super Elite this year, 12 points in 13 games for the under-18 Swedish team as well, and a real standout last year at um, the under-17 World Hockey Challenge for Sweden as well. Uh He's not really played too much in the SAL right now. Uh, he's only got had 10 games this year, and a lot of them were kind of very limited minutes. Um, he's five foot nine, which is obviously quite undersized for a defenseman, but he is a has a really solid frame. He's already 180 plus pounds at five foot nine, and in terms of like stature, I think all Flyers fans remember kind of Kimo Timonen, and he's not Kimo Timonen's stature yet, but he's the kind of guy who probably will be five ten and probably 200 pounds because he's just wow. solidly built. Um, but, I mean, outside of just his kind of pure, raw, kind of physical stature, uh, in terms of his skill set, he, he has a really nice skill set in my estimation. He can handle the puck exceptionally well 
at speed as well. I think that's what really separates when you see defensemen coming up ice. You have guys who can skate fast, but maybe can't handle the puck that well. Whereas he handles the puck at his top speed really well. And he's really creative in the offensive zone. The thing that marks him out, I think, is the similar thing that I saw with Travis Sanheim when he was in juniors. He's just fantastic at the offensive blue line. Obviously, Sanheim is half a foot bigger than him. But with Andre, he moves so well laterally at the blue line. He creates space for himself. And I wouldn't say he's a fantastic skater. I think his top-end speed still needs to be worked on, especially for a smaller player. But in terms of his agility, he can make guys look really silly with just little head fakes, moving his feet along that blue line, separating himself from uh, four checkers. He'll, a four checker will come on to him. He'll make one or two little moves left or right, go up into the slot and get a really good shot off. He's so calm under pressure as well that that allows him to do that. He sometimes seems like he has all the time in the world to make those first moves because he sees the guy come in, looks like he's really relaxed and then deeks around them or moves around them. He has a good wrist shot as well um, and a high IQ, I feel, at both ends of the rink. And that's what separates him, I think, from kind of some of the other defensemen that might be in that range. You look at like Helga Granz, for example, fellow Swede, amazing physical package good offensive player, but there are still big question marks about his defensive IQ. I don't think you really have that with Andre. Um, he's not scared of being physical either. And at times even engages in contact in the offensive zone um, when he's got the puck. I've seen him do a few Forsberg hits um, in the offensive zone along the walls against guys his own age. And, you know, for a guy who's 5'9 and 185 pounds, solidly built, he can be really be effective in that kind of way. So I think when people look at a smaller defenseman, they often think, oh, he's, you know, soft, but that's really, really not the case with Emil Andre. Um, I think going forward, he does need to improve um, on his top speed. He has a good stride and a good first step. But when it comes to getting up ice quickly, he's not like a Schneider or a Grams who already has that get up and go, gets the slot straight away. I think um, he projects as a middle pairing defenseman. I think I'd be pretty confident that within a few years, he's the kind of guy who you go, well, he's going to slot in as a number four or five defenseman in the NHL. As long as he just physically matures and keeps growing his game. Um, and yeah, he has a very mature all-round game. And if he was a guy who was over six foot, I think you'd be talking about him as a top 20 pick, guaranteed top 20 pick. That's interesting because I'm looking at some rankings here and there's a site here that has him ranked as high as 15. So, I mean, there's definitely skill and there's definitely some intrigue there. Uh, Yoke, your thoughts on Emil Andre? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with all, all of what Alex said there. So I... I also see all of these three guys, Niemela, Grans, and Andrea, in this 20 to 35 range. I, I do have Andrea first, Grans second, Niemela third, but yeah, I think they are all in the same group, uh, in the same range. And I think one thing I would like to highlight from his game is his creativity. So he's, he seems to have, I don't know if it's him or Nubek, but either one of them or maybe both are creating these set plays that they use a lot on that team. And it always seems to be those two guys uh, doing all the all the stuff uh, with those set plays. So I'm not quite sure which one it is uh, making those, but uh, I just love seeing it and they are just executing them perfectly. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a list here from February. So if there's a new uh european prospects list you've put out since then i apologize but you have him on your list as ninth here that's pretty high yeah yeah i think that's the latest one and yeah i i do think he's the he's the best european defenseman in this draft class wow that says a lot um so let's skip to the next player on our list here let me just bring up your list here yoka we have marat and i'll let you i'll let you uh 
take that one. Murat Kushnadinov. <laughs> I think Alex probably knows it better than I do. Kushnadinov, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Uh, it sounds good. But yeah. Uh, well, I guess uh, I guess you could compare him to, to Ronnie Hirvonen. I think there are some similarities between the two. So two like smallest centers. I think Hirvonen might be listed like an inch taller, but I'm I would bet that Hirvonen is actually smaller than Marat is. So I think they are in that same size, same position. Uh, both very skilled offensive guys primarily playmakers. Uh, I think Marat is a better skater actually than Hirvonen, but uh, obviously Hirvonen is, is proven against men at this point. So that's something that works in his advantage. Uh, Marat still needs to needs to prove himself at the men's level. But but yeah, uh, he had a lot of help. Obviously, he plays for Ska in the, in the Russian junior, junior league. They had a, just a great team. Uh, I think it was the best team in the league there. He had a lot of support around him. That obviously helps. But uh, that also limited his, his usage a bit. Didn't get all the prime minutes that he, he could have played on, on some other teams. And uh, he put up a lot of points, but he's also a very good two-way player. Can even kill penalties, protect the lead late in the game and all that, despite being uh, such a just a small guy. So... Uh, the real question mark is that can he do that uh, at the NHL level, play down the middle with his 5'8", 5'9", frame. Uh, I have some doubts about that, so I would like to see him at wing just to see how he looks there. I don't remember seeing any games where he, he would have played at wing, but that would be something interesting to see but yeah i know some some people are even higher on him than i am even putting him in first round discussion i'm i'm not quite there uh, but i do have him clearly in the second round uh, i think he's going to be a good value pick there okay yeah that's fair enough i'm looking at your uh, your report here you have him 25th on your list uh, 5'9", 165, and you have your draft range between 60 and 80. So we're looking at possibly a late second round pick, early, you know, early to mid third round pick. For yeah, Marat. I think actually I've been moving him up, him up oh, okay. a bit since then. I I think I have him in the 40 to 60 range nowadays. So okay, so he is he's shown a little bit more for you then. Yeah, I liked his second half a bit better. Uh, he struggled a bit in the in the first half of the season, but uh, I think he he showed a lot of uh, improvement in the second half. Okay, that's always good. Uh, Alex, comments on Murat? I think I agree for the most part. I think the Ronnie Hervenen kind of comparison is quite apt. I would say for me, I think um, Hervenen is yeah a safer player, but I think Kushnadinov has a far higher upside in terms of what he could be. He's the kind of guy who, you know, you see rankings of him like 60, 70, 80. You start to think he's one of the guys in that range who five years down the line could be making teams really regret passing on him because he really kind of does have a pretty complete game. Apart from the hype aspect, he's a good defender. He's really fast. He's very creative. And he plays like a really quite an intense game for a smaller guy. Like he doesn't shy away from hits, has a bit of an edge, will grind on the boards and like will chip and chase as well, which is quite, I wouldn't say strange for a younger Russian player, but it's not often you see a guy approach see the full checking defender and not try to dangle around him every time when you see these skilled players at a lower level, especially in kind of MHL and Russian junior national team. 
Um, he can go through the defense that way as well, but he will also dump it in and go hard on the forecheck to get after guys. Um, and in addition to that as well, um, I think, yeah, he was kind of buried at times on that team in the MHL. He was playing a lot of kind of third line center. So when you see kind of, oh, under point per game in the um, MHL, sometimes I think that can maybe reflect badly on a guy. But he didn't have the opportunity that other guys did. And even when he was kind of with Russia, he wasn't always guaranteed kind of a top role. He was at uh, the World Hockey Challenge, the under-17s, but then kind of at the under-18s, he was playing down the lineup at times. Um, and I think he's the kind of guy who could be a, a real massive steal for a team. I think there'll probably be some teams around the NHL who might have him in kind of that not late first round, but very early second round range. So I think there's a, a chance that the Flyers, by the time they come to pick in the second round, he might be long gone. Um, but he's one of the two Russian forwards out of Russia this draft that really should be going, I think, in the first two rounds. And if he's there kind of when the Flyers pick in the second round, you really have to think about him because down the line, even if he can't play at center, I think he'd probably shift out to left wing and do a really good job. Although one of the things he does really well uh, from what I've seen him is face-offs. For a guy who generally loses leverage to people and he's playing against guys two, three years older than him um, in the MHL, he's really good at the draw. I think he was over 60% in the MHL on the draw this year. Um, which is impressive considering he's generally going against, up against guys two years older than him and three or four inches bigger. So he, he's an interesting player to watch. And if he's there in the second round, I think you just, maybe there's someone as good as him or with a similar potential, but I don't think there's really going to be anyone there in the second round with more potential than he is, which is probably kind of a damn good second line player. Yeah, and I think also one aspect to add to that is his leadership abilities. Uh, Russia loves to use him as their captain on the on the national team so that speaks volumes about his leadership abilities i think and he was already i think he was at the u18 worlds last year as a as a 16 year old so uh, a mature guy uh as well so a lot of a lot of things to like in his game yeah i gotta say when you when you first started out i wasn't so sure and then after listening to you guys, you kind of sold me on him a little bit. Now I'm kind of like, well, if he's there in the second round, maybe they do take a shot on him. So good stuff there, guys, on uh, Murat Kushnadinov. Uh, let's move on to another guy here whose name I actually can say, Theodore Niederbach. Alex? Niederbach is a really interesting player in my estimation. He's a, he's a guy who I think a lot of people who invested some time in Swedish prospects probably knew the name when he was 15 or 16 years old. He was kind of in a group after, I mean, Holtz, Raymond and Gunler have kind of been talked about for a long time already. Everyone knew how good they were going to be when they were 15 or 16. But Niederbach was in this kind of little group after them where at that point, Niederbach was playing in kind of the men's third tier, um, fourth tier even as a 15 year old. So he wasn't kind of as on as high a radar, but Niederbach's played for the Swedish junior teams for a long time and was thought of as maybe a guy who could potentially go first round a couple of years ago. He was kind of talked about in that group just after them. And then last year, he suffered a really serious knee injury um, that laid him off for 15 months of hockey. He didn't pretty much skate for probably a good year because of a knee injury at the age of 16. And he kind of disappeared from a lot of people's consciousness. Um, but since returning from kind of a knee injury and getting back into it with uh, Lunders junior team in the Super Elite this year, He's been really impressive. Um, he's a center and he's an extremely creative center. I think that's what really marks him out. He's got great hands. He's a good skater. Even after a serious knee injury, he generally gets good separation from opposition. He's agile and he's really confident with the puck on his stick. He can make defensemen look really silly. He doesn't worry about who he's going up against. He'll challenge them and try and go past them. 
and generally sees lanes for himself and his line mates quite well as well. He creates a lot when he's on the ice. I would meter that by saying he does generally look better on the power play than even strength. On the power play, he can run a power play up probably a pro level already. I think he could probably, on some of the lower-end Swedish uh, uh, SEL teams, he could probably run their second power play already as an 18-year-old because he always gets into dangerous positions, creates uh, positions for his lines mates, and he's not scared to kind of go to the slot and has a really good release as well. So he can run it off the wall, get into the slot, and put a really dangerous shot on target. In terms of 5v5, at times I think he holds onto the puck too long. He kind of Kevin Hayes it if you want that to, but he's just not as effective because he doesn't have that size, that frame, all that maturity quite yet. And it can lead to quite bad turnovers. You know, he'll try and go past two guys at the blue line and you'll be like, what are you doing in a five on five situation in this position when you have such high skill and seemingly a pretty good hockey IQ as well. So yeah, he's puck hogging this at times kind of annoys me, especially at 5v5. And I think it can mean he's less effective at 5v5 than he could be. It's not like he's scared to get to the net or the slot. You know, it's not like he's a perimeter player. Um, but he does hold on to the puck a bit too much and maybe not utilize his line mates as much at 5v5. Uh, obviously, you know, he's only been playing hockey again for, you know, six, seven months since coming back for his injury. So maybe that plays into it. And, you know, he's basically gone a year without much development and came back and he's still very good. You know, he he put up 48 points in 40 games played at the Super Elite, which is impressive and amongst the best um, amongst guys his age. But a lot of that was on the power play. And that's the big concern I see with him. I kind of worry at times that maybe he's, IQ looks inflated by his skill set because he is such a good passer and he is a good skater and he has got such a good shot that maybe he doesn't see lanes quite as well as it appears at junior level and that won't translate to a senior level but there's absolutely no doubting kind of his skill uh, it's just kind of a bit of inconsistency and mediocre defensively um, but he is also a natural center he plays better at center than I think he will at wing in terms of just his skill set because he sees the ice well he likes to dictate dictate play he loves to have the puck and he does a pretty fantastic things with it. I do think he probably should have scored a bit more this year, given his talent level, but you want to, you think like give him kind of a bit of a pass because he did miss almost, you know, over a year of hockey with his knee injury. Um, in terms of kind of his upside, I think he could probably be a 2C at the NHL if he absolutely hits his potential. A creative 2C who can just pick teams apart. And with the defensive ability, it's not a unwillingness to play defense, I don't think. I think he's willing to play it. I think it's, partially probably because of the time he missed because when he was 15 or 16 I don't think anyone really spoke about that and obviously playing hockey as a 16 year old is very different to an 18 year old but it wasn't kind of a big black mark against his name then and it's still not you know bad it just could be better especially at that level um I don't think he's a legitimate option in my opinion for the late first round I think some people have him late on in the first round and I understand from a skill set perspective because you see him and you think oh this guy could be a top six forward easily with the hands he have, with the ability he has, with the vision he has, with the skating he has as well, even with a knee injury. Um, and I think he might be gone. Well, probably will be gone by the time the Flyers get to pick in the second. But if he's there in the late second, he's a guy who, like Kushnadinov, um, you look at. Um, and la- la- last time we talked about uh, Kasper Simontovai, they're all guys who you kind of have question marks over to a degree. Um, but if they're there, when the Flyers come to pick in the second round, you go, well, these guys are kind of potentially a home run pick. So yeah, he's a, he's a really interesting prospect. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if he's there in the second round for the flyers picking, you're saying they ha- absolutely should take him. I mean, it depends who else there. If you've got a choice of kind of Kushnadinov or Simon Tavai, 
and Niederbach all together, and then a few guys from the CHL as well. There's a guy, Luke Evangelista, who we've not spoke about yet, who might also be in that range. Then that becomes a far trickier decision. But in okay. terms of guys who could be there, if none of those are the higher upside guys are there, well, I think the Flyers have the depth that they can try and swing for a home run on him. Okay, so he's definitely a name to consider. Uh, Yoka, thoughts on Theodore Niederbach? Uh, yeah, I, again, uh, I have to agree with, with pretty much all everything Alex said. But uh, yeah, I have him in the same range with with Husnutinov. I, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so in that in that forty to sixty range, I have him there. Uh, as mentioned, he has potential to to be be a home run pick if he's available in that range. Uh, it's really tough to evaluate a guy who has missed a full year such a critical year for development. Sometimes we've seen guys who, who miss a year and they're never the same. They, 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 it, it affects their development permanently. And then we see guys who are just a year behind in their development, but then they catch up before they're 22 and then become steals of draft. So uh, it's tough to say which one it's going to be with Niederbach, but uh, he definitely has that uh, high, high, potential especially in the offensive end and uh, on on the power play uh, as Alex mentioned he's he scored 60 percent of his points on the power play this season so that's definitely a concern that he, he relies on on power play production so much but also uh, he spent most of the season as a third line center on that team so he didn't play big minutes at even strength so obviously that's also going to affect how many points he can put up uh, five on five, uh, but yeah, uh, he started the season at wing. I think the first ten or so games he was at wing, and then luckily they realized that they should be switching him, <laughs> him to to the middle, and he looked much much better after that. Unfortunately, the the Swedish national team didn't seem to agree with that, and they kept insisting on using him at wing. But uh, yeah, I I do think he's much more effective down the middle sounds like he has some offensive upside for sure he just needs to be given more of an opportunity five on five and maybe needs to work on uh, his defense a little bit more but uh, overall the way you guys have talked about him he sounds like a pretty good prospect yeah definitely definitely a lot of potential uh so yeah uh a number two center who can put up like 65 70 points maybe even in his prime i think that's that's a real possibility yeah uh, i mean let's if we're looking at uh this flyers team i mean that's top of the top of the team lead if we're we're looking at 60 70 uh, points in the future um so let's move on to the next guy on your list here yoka and we have joel blomquist yeah i i think he's the he's the best goalie uh, behind Askarov in this draft class, so there's there's a lot of competition for that number two goalie who's gonna go number two. But I think Blomqvist will be or should be at least that guy. He had just an incredible season in the Finnish Junior League, uh, playing for for the Karpat Junior team. Obviously, he was playing in, uh, behind a, a stacked team. They had the best team in the league both at the men's level and in the junior level. Uh, and that shows up in his stats as well. His stats may be a bit misleading, 
but uh, anyways when you watch him play he can just make these he can sometimes let in these soft goals which is the one thing that bothers me but then he can in the same game he can make five stops that he has no business of doing so uh, I think once he figures out how to uh, minimize those soft goals uh, he's gonna be a, a number one goalie at the NHL level okay uh, Alex any thoughts on your Blomqvist he's a, I think he's an interesting player for sure and I do agree that he's the second best goalie in the draft uh, and I think to a degree He's kind of slept on slightly because when he's played international hockey, he's not been outstanding. I mean, uh, World Hockey Challenge under 17, he was just okay. The Hlinka, he was, I think, better, but still not exceptional. Um, and I think that's probably a lot of kind of scouts are generally watching those games of European players, especially goalies, and haven't realized maybe that over the last two years, he's just been exceptional in the Finnish junior leagues and is from you know Finland and quite frankly you look at the success that Finnish goalies have had over the last 20 years and well they do something right with their goalie production um I mean he's not the biggest guy you know like 6162 for a goalie but I don't think it's too big an issue given kind of his lateral ability his ability to go post to post make a good save uh, in terms of where I think he'll go I think he might be a guy who falls in the like late second or third round I think someone might take a chance on him late in the second if they really want a goalie um, and I think there's a potential that he's just in between Flyers picks because obviously they don't have a third round pick. And I think the Flyers should, with the goalies in the pipeline, probably not take a goalie in the second. I think he's the only really goalie option to take in the second. Um, and then they don't have a pick until the fourth round. So I think he might fall in kind of that black spot for the Flyers um, if they don't acquire a third round pick. But yeah, he's an interesting player. And if the Flyers are going to take a goalie, he's one of the few that I would actually consider. Could you imagine if they took another goalie? They'd have like 10, 10 goalies in the system. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I guess you can never have too many, right? Exactly. Yeah, and I think I think one one thing to mention about the international play, he he has the unfortunate situation of being in the same age group with Askarov and Wallstead. So he's he's always going to be the third best goalie in any tournament in his age group. Uh, there's just no denying that. So I think. That that might affect how people view that. Okay, he he's good, but he he's he's playing against Askarov or Wallstead, and he's he's not that good. So, mm. yeah, that that's tough. Always being the third best in any any tournament. Uh, but okay, so Yo Blomquist. Let's move on here. We have another name on Alex's list. We have Anton Yo Johannesson. Yeah, another guy from. Uh... HV71 as well. We spoke about uh, Nivek last time, and we spoke about Emil Andre as well. And funnily enough, all three of them, undersized. I don't know what they put in the water <laughs> around this, around Yon shopping, but um, yeah, you've got this three guy guys might be the smallest the one. and all top guys in the kind of draft. I mean, with Johannesson, he's interesting. He's not going to be nowhere near a first-round pick. And like Niederback, he's another guy who missed a whole year with injuries. Um, really talented, but just didn't pretty much play hockey last year because of injuries. Um, he's, unlike Andre, he is not physically developed. He's, I mean, they list him at 155 pounds, and I think that's probably around accurate. Um, but he's got really good offensive skill set, and we saw that this year with the Super Elite. He, I mean, that's a good team, and he benefited from being on a team with Niebeck and Andre. But he put up 24 points in 20 games played at that level. And the things that really stand out to me is he's, 
really smart with the puck, especially as he's going through the neutral zone and offensive zone. He creates space for himself and his teammates really well. And his transition play is really impressive. I mean, when he's on the ice with Andre at times, Andre will defer to Johannesson to take the puck up ice. And I think that says something about his game. That you have a top prospect who's going to go first round in Andre, who will defer to Johannesson when they are on ice together to let him carry the puck because it's something he really does well. I mean, he rarely misses on passes as well. He's really good at getting the puck up ice out of the defensive zone, rarely ices the puck. Not so many miscues in that regard. He's not as flashy as Andre when he actually gets to the offensive zone. He can't beat people as easily and he doesn't make space for himself as well. But he is quite effective at getting past opponents and has quite good poise. He's a fair skater, not a great skater, and he needs to improve there. But he actually has, I would, it's hard to say when you're talking about these 18-year-old kids in the Swedish Super Elite, but I would potentially pose that he has marginally better skating than Andre overall, because I think Andre is better in an agility perspective, but Johansson has a better stride. It's not quite, it, it's a quite a refined stride he's got. He doesn't use it well enough and he hasn't got the speed yet, but you start to see when he skates in, like he skates quite beautifully for a guy who isn't that fast. And I think maybe that's something to do with being 155 pounds. And when he puts on a good 20 pounds on those thighs, maybe his beautiful stride translates into a good top end speed. So that's something you got to think of, especially with you've seen with the flyer, someone like Lindblom, you know, a guy who was technically sound with his skating stride as a 17 year old, but quite slow. Um, you see two years later, he was fine with his skating stride, you know, and can play at the NHL level and no one would think he was slow. And maybe that's the same with Johansson. And he's not as slow as Lindblom at the same age. Uh, so that's something really to consider. He also makes really nice reads in the offensive zone when it comes to pinches. You rarely see him get beat on a pinch. He just reads the game really well in that regard. But now it comes to the bad stuff about him. He's nowhere near as refined as Emil Andre. Like, Andre is a guy who you go, there's no problems going forward. He might be five foot nine, but he's going to be able to play really good two-way hockey his whole career. If that's as a number three defenseman, if that's as a number five defenseman, he's got that already. We Hannison, he struggles in his own end versus teenagers, especially around the net and on the boards. And that is a concern at times. His size obviously doesn't help with that, but he's a really talented player playing against other 17, 18, 19-year-olds. And he struggles against them on the boards. Yeah, he probably gives up 20, 30 pounds to some of them, but his technique there isn't that great ever. He doesn't pin the puck well. He can even lose when he's on a two-on-one battle. And unlike Andre, he doesn't like to engage physically. Andre relishes getting in and there on the boards, playing physically, getting involved. Johansson does shy away from it to a degree. And he can also lose men in the defensive zone. He just seems to switch off at times in the defensive zone. I think he's committed to playing defense, uh, even though he particularly doesn't like playing physical defense. But he can just seem to switch off at times and lose a man. Kind of like, for example, you saw with Travis Sanheim at the start of the year. Now, Sanheim is far more refined in his defensive zone and even was at that age. But you saw with Sanham at the start of the year, sometimes he just lost a man. It wasn't through lack of effort. It wasn't through lack of commitment. He just didn't see a play developing and lost them. And Johansson's doing that at an under-18 level. Well, under-20 level as a 17-year-old. And that is one thing that concerns me. Um, in terms of offensive talent and upside, you know, he can play on a power play. He can create in the offensive zone. He's really solid with his outlet passes. And he transitions the puck really well. And those are all really important things in the modern NHL. But he does worry me in the defensive zone especially with that size. I think some teams will think about him in the late second. I personally wouldn't, I don't think. I think maybe, you know, depending on who else is taken, you see if, if you were there at 60, 65, then you start thinking about him. And obviously with the Flyers not having a third round pick, I would question if he's really a pick who the Flyers might take. But if the Flyers acquired a third round pick and he's somehow fell 
kind of into that 90 range, then I think he's a kind of guy you really look at and go, wow, he could really be a second pairing defenseman if he cleans up aspects of his game down the line. He already has the offensive and neutral zone play as well as the passing. Um, so I think while he's a risk, you also have the injury that played into it, like Niederbach, where you go next year, he could come out the gates 20 pounds heavier um, and kind of put himself into contention for an SAL slot. So he has risks, but if you think potentially the injury held him back and that hurt his physical development and that will help his skating infinitely and his defensive play infinitely, then maybe this time next year you're looking at him as a kind of guy who you go, well, he should have probably gone 40 or 35 in the draft. So this sounds like a player that, you know, you want to take a chance on and if you bring him along the right way, you could have a pretty solid NHL defender on your hands. Yeah, I think that is the case. Okay. He just has, you know, a lot of risk. Yeah. But guys kind of, it, he, I would say the way I would describe him is he's for sure a second round talent, but he's a guy who will probably fall into the third round because of the associated risk. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Yoka, before we move on to uh, one of my favorite names on this list here, do you have any last comments on uh, Johannesson? Uh, yeah, I think, I think again, it's it's really tough to evaluate because of the injuries. Not only last season, but also this season, he had, I think, at least one or maybe two injuries. So he he's been missing time. How much that's been affecting his his development, especially the skating? Uh, his his speed really isn't all that good right now. Uh, maybe the injuries, maybe the lack of just power in his legs. Uh, not quite sure, but. Yeah, uh, and the defensive side of things is is really really underdeveloped right now. Needs a, a ton of work there, but I think he has better hands than Andrea, who already has great hands. So that's that's saying a lot. He he brings a lot of offensive upside with those hands. Uh, Sweden's uh, international team or the U18 team, they. They decided to use Johannesson on the top power play, even when they had Kranz and Andrea on the same team. They put those guys on the second power play. So that that says something about about his offensive abilities. That he's he's the number one option for for the national team uh, instead of those first round talents. Wow. Uh, and also on the on the super elite power play, I think. Uh, even though they both, Johannesson and Andrea, both played on the power play, I think Johannesson was with the puck more. They they used him more with the puck, basically, on that same power play. So, uh, yeah, a, a ton of talent, but I do agree that third round seems seems about right for him. I wouldn't uh, be willing to take him in the second round, but I do do agree that there's there's a lot of potential, but you could also have a guy who never even comes close to the NHL. So, ah. boom or bust, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say just that, actually. So, uh, a player who's the opposite in terms of size to Anton Johannesson is Yoni Yermo, who is six foot four and 190 pounds as a 17-year-old. What can you tell us about Yoni Yermo? Yeah, uh, I think it's, it's easy to draw comparisons uh, from him to both Philip Roberg, uh, the Edmonton pick, and William Wallinder, who's also draft eligible now. So all of those three guys are big guys, left-handed shots, great skaters, love to carry the puck up the ice, 
can also make really good breakout passes. Uh, maybe not the most creative guys in the offensive end, but they can do uh, good things there. Uh, and then in the defensive end is where they, they struggle a bit. Jurmo uh, more, more than those two Swedes. Uh, he, he has a lot of work to do in the defensive zone. But, uh, but yeah, uh, a lot of potential with a six foot four uh, guy who skates really, really well and knows how to handle the puck and can carry the puck. So uh, he, the, the one thing besides the defensive end, I think the one thing he, he needs to work on is his decision making. He's trying to force too many plays. He's trying to go coast to coast all the time with the puck, trying to uh, take it from his own own end and get a scoring chance somehow in, at the other end. And it's it's not usually possible to do that. So he needs to pick his spots better, uh, decide when to actually carry the puck and when to pass it instead. And I think that's going to be a big adjustment. But but he's he's aware of that. He knows that that's something that he needs to work on. And I think uh, next season will be very telling if he can start uh, developing that side of his game, making better decisions. Then uh, I don't think the defensive side of things is going to keep him out of the NHL. But he's never going to be a strong defensive guy. So it's it's always going to be a he, he's always going to be a puck mover. And puck carrier with great size. Okay. I mean, if you look at some of the NHL rosters, even for example, the Flyers, I mean, they have maybe more puck movers on on their team than they do, uh, you know, responsible defensive players, I, I would think. I mean, you know, it should, it should be interesting. I'm sure somebody will take a shot on them. And uh, with that size, it's it's got to be so hard not to. And you mentioned another player who's six foot four, 192 pounds. And I'll, I'll switch over to Alex here William Wallinder. Or, or William Valinder, take your choice. Yeah, um, William's a really interesting player. I mean, he plays for my favorite Swedish team, uh, Modo. Uh, so I've kind of probably had a head start in terms of who he actually was. But even even following the team he played for, a year and a half ago, he kind of wasn't that talked about. He wasn't like, you know, Modo's had a production line of talent for 30 years now. It wasn't like he was the kind of guy who everyone was really excited about. He kind of was a late bloomer, um, and I think you kind of see that in his game. He's a physical freak, kind of like Helga Granz as well. Same draft year, both Swedes, both of them 6'4", both over 190 pounds overall already, and both of them skate unbelievably well with beautiful strides, mobile and agile. And with Wallander, he's a really confident player. He really likes to rush up ice. He can dangle, and yeah, he uses that big frame quite well as well to boot, and He's showed that in the Super Elite this year. He scored pretty well with uh, 37 games played and 24 points, and then managed to play Osvenskan, the Swedish second-tier men's pro league, which is a good league, and he was on a good team, a team that, you know, maybe I'm showing my fandom here a bit, but should have been promoted if it wasn't for coronavirus, um, and are suffering the results of that. Um, but yeah, he played in a lower-end role on Modo's team, but played really well on the Osvenskan level. Um, he's fantastic on the power play, really nice shot. Um, he's not as good right now in the offensive zone at even strength. He seems to kind of make some mistakes and not see the passes that he does when he's got more time and space on the power play. Um, in terms of his defensive game, I think he's more developed than Helga Granz in that regard. Um, Granz can be really inconsistent defensively, not use his size well. Valinder generally, you know, he's playing against men. 
um, on a regular basis in Elsvenskan. So you can see that already. He uses his size well. He's not a physical player, but he can be physical. He doesn't overly go for a hit, but he can. Um, and I really quite like his gap control as well. He uses his stick really well at the blue line um, to make guys dump it in, make guys shoot from bad angles. Um, and I think alongside kind of him being a late bloomer, maybe that also accounts for one of the one of the issues I have with him, which is his inconsistency. He can really at times get outsmarted and overwhelmed. I mean, it's the Osvenskan, and there's some really good pro hockey players who've been doing this for 15 years. So it's not a surprise when that happens, but you would like to see him maybe be a bit more consistent. And also I do question kind of his offensive IQ at 5v5, but there is absolutely no doubt in the physical package he's got. And the fact that he is a late bloomer means that maybe there's a lot more potential for growth than some of the other guys who've been on the radar for two or three years. I think he's a project. Um, and maybe I don't have him quite as highly ranked as some others do because of that. I can completely acknowledge the skill set and the potential of what he could become. I think when you look at it, there's, it's easy to see him being a guy who could carry a second pairing, not just be a number four defenseman, but carry a second pairing and potentially fill in on a first pairing at times. But he's a project. And I think he, you know, you need to, he needs to show that he can use his offensive IQ effectively at 5v5 and use those physical tools better. Um, but at the same time, while he's a project, you can already see the floor is there. At very worst, he is going to be a good middle pairing SAL defenseman, which translates to kind of a good AHL defenseman. I mean, that's that's his complete flaw. And given his skill set and his physical package, it's hard to see him not playing in the NHL at some point, even if it's a year or two before people go, oh, damn, he's got too many little flaws that mean he's not an amazing player at this level. But it's really hard to see him not having kind of, you know, at worst, kind of a Robert Hegg style career where he floats around as a number five, six for a few years at very minimum. And he has better physical tools than someone like Hegg. So, yeah, he's an interesting player. I don't have him in the first round like some maybe do. But if he's there come, you know, the the end of the second round, I think he's a consideration for the Flyers. I don't think he'll get there. I think someone will see this package and be completely enamored. Um, he worries me a bit more than Granz because I'm, I don't doubt Granz's ability offensively at 5v5 yet. He, he, he does that really well, even kind of in the SAL, moving up ice and creating offense for himself in the offensive zone at that level. Valinda struggled at times in the Alsvenskan and even in the Super Elite at times. But there's no doubt in the potential talent there. And if he somehow manages to slip to the Flyers in the second round, he'd be a really good addition to the um, prospect pool. Okay. Uh, and Yoka, before I move on to Mietinen here, do you have any comments on Valinder? Uh, yeah, well, basically basically everything I said about Jurmo can be can be said about Wallinder as well, uh, with the exception that Wallinder is just a bit better in every regard. So, uh, and I do agree that I don't I don't have him in the first round either, but I do have him early in the second round. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's it's really tough to not have a guy like him pretty early with that with that frame, skating ability, puck carrying ability. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't like his his defensive game all that much. Uh, hopefully he improves that. Uh, but I and and it's it's not so much about his ability to play defense. I think it's more about his lack of effort sometimes and lack of consistency in the defensive end. I think so. Uh, so yeah, some some red flags, but not so much that uh, they would push him too far down down the rankings so here's a question for you guys and you know we've seen the league kind of change in the last couple of years as it always seems to be doing 
and, and you guys pay attention to prospects a little bit more than I have until recently. And I'm wondering, are you seeing defense uh, care less about playing defense more often lately and caring more so about, you know, uh, creating the rush and, and going back to play offense? Is this a, a kind of a trend that you're seeing? I mean, for me, I don't don't think that's generally the case. I think there are guys who really focus on defense and are kind of defense-first players. But I think a lot of that is because they don't have the offensive ability. And NHL teams are going away from drafting guys like that okay. um, in general in a high pitch. You know, one of the best defensemen of the last 20 or so years is a guy like Adam Foote. But these days, if you're an Adam Foote-style skill set or a Darian Hatcher-style skill set coming up through the junior ranks, you're kind of probably going to top out most likely as a number three, four defenseman, even if you're really good in those aspects. Um, because the game is faster and a bit more skilled, it's really hard for those guys to you know, play on a first pairing unless they are exceptional defensively. I mean, even a guy like one of my favorite defensemen in the NHL is Hampus Lindholm, uh, and I'm Ducks. He's a fantastic defenseman. I'm one of the top five or ten defensive defensemen in the NHL. You can say the same about a guy like Hjalmarsson or Jonas Brodin, all Swedes, all brilliant defensively. The reason they're not talked about as some of the best defensemen in the NHL is because none of them are going to score more than kind of, you know, 30 points a season. And they aren't too limited offensively, but they're just not in that kind of skill set range that guys like, you know, from the Flyers, Sanheim and Provorov have. Or, you know, you look around the league, a guy like Dougie Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton has his issues defensively, but I think you can make an argument that he's the most valuable defenseman in the league right now. You look at the last few years as well, a guy like Brent Burns, not bad defensively, but not elite defensively by any means, but he just is so dangerous going up ice. I think we're going back towards kind of having your top guys being more Rover style because they're the guys who can put up 60 plus points and provide more overall impact for your team. I don't think it means there's no place for guys who are defensive minded, but I think it means it just, there's less guys who are kind of, you know, number two, number three defensemen who are good enough defensively uh, to outweigh that kind of lack of offensive input. I mean, really, when you start looking at it, you know, the only real first pairing defenseman in the last few years, I think, who has that kind of a lack of offensive ability, for want of a better word, is a guy like Tanev in Vancouver. You know, Lindholm maybe in Anaheim. And still, these guys don't have no skill. They're just not quite as skilled as those top guys. So I think there's still a lot of kids around the world who are great defensively, but I think teams just focus now more on that puck moving transition ability. Okay. Yeah, and I think it, it is more, more appreciated these days to have that uh, offensive ability. Uh, when Mike Green was, was putting up huge numbers in Washington, he wasn't really getting the respect he maybe would be getting nowadays if he was putting up those same point, point totals. So I think that kind of, uh, it, it has been shifting a bit and it's always gonna affect how the young people grow up. They watch those guys who are talked about and uh, learn from them. And, and you hear a lot of, kids uh, saying that they've been watching Eric Carlson, even though they are not like uh, offensive superstars themselves, but they, they learn from guys like him. So uh, I think that will change a little bit how they grow up uh, playing hockey. Okay. Yeah. I, I just thought that was interesting because we've, we've talked about a couple guys here who, you know, are, are good moving the puck and, and whatnot and good in the offensive zone and then on the on the flip side it's yeah but they're not the best in in their own zone or they're prone to making mistakes and i'm i just was kind of wondering if you guys were seeing a, a trend so that's all um but we can move along here we have next on our list as i mentioned vieti mietinen 
Yeah, uh, he's an interesting guy because his his rankings seem to be all over the place. So uh, I have him somewhere in the second, third round range. Uh, but then I also have seen some top 150 or some rankings and they don't have him ranked at all. So uh, I think, and I think the big reason is that he played in the Finnish Junior League as an 18-year-old. He's one of the oldest players in this draft class. Uh, missed the cutoff by 10 days, I think. Uh, but he he would have been good enough to play pro, but he's going to NCAA next season, so he's obviously not allowed to play any any pro hockey because of that. So he had to play a season in a league where he already dominated a year ago. So that's that's not great for his development, and it's not great for evaluating when it's pretty much just more of the same. Uh, but I think he, he used the season pretty well. He he carried the team. Uh, he didn't really have any offensive support around him, and he still managed to put up huge numbers. Uh, and he improved his play without the puck. He was used on the penalty kill. He was used protecting the lead, even though he's known as a pure offensive guy. So uh, I think in, in that regard, it was a good development season for him, working on those... Uh, aspects that were not strengths for him, but will be uh, required before he can he can even dream of playing in the NHL. But yeah, he's a, he's a great goal scorer. Uh, I think maybe his playmaking abilities are a bit underrated because uh, he didn't have anyone to pass the puck to. So that's that's going to affect his assist numbers a lot. But uh, I think he can do both goal scoring and playmaking almost equally well and and very good skater, small guy. Uh, he's going to need to be uh, playing in an offensive role, so he won't be in the NHL playing a defensive role or energy role. So uh, sort of a boom or bust type of guy as well. Um, but if I'm he's still available in the, in the third round, I think he could, he could offer great potential. But he's going to be a bit of a project, uh, probably three to four years in college and then moving up to the pro level after that. Let me ask you, Yoki, because I'm reading your article here and I'm listening to everything you said. And I did not expect you to say boom or bust. Because all I'm reading in, is good things and all, all I heard you say was good things. Where does the bust come from? Uh, I think just, just being a, uh, a small guy focusing on offense and then at the end of the day he doesn't have that like high high end offensive skill doesn't okay. have that high end uh, skating ability so he's a great skater but not the top end skater okay. so and a lot of people want to see from small guys that top end skating ability he doesn't really have that but he's still a very very good skater so uh so I think that's that's the bust side of things, I ah, guess. Yeah. yeah, if you're going to be small, you better be able to skate. So makes sense yeah. there. Alex, any comments on Mietinen? I've only really seen him in international play and then, quite frankly, highlights um, on the internet. From what I've seen of him, um, he's an interesting player. I do think I, I agree in terms of his upside isn't amazing. I don't think his skill set is that super high-end offensively I think when you look at him you think this guy could be a good second line winger as his absolute kind of ceiling but he does fall into that I mean tweener 
world. You know, the world of people like Jason Ackerson, where amazing offensive skill set, but not quite the skills here or there to be a top player in the NHL and not the other attributes to make you think he could be a bottom six player. So I think there is some legitimacy to saying he's kind of a, I wouldn't say top six or bust, but he's definitely top nine or bust as a player. Um, and I think that definitely kind of plays into it. Skilled and creative. And I mean, in terms of his junior play this year, I think there's an argument for him having one of the best junior seasons in history, really. He scored the most goals for a draft eligible player um, in junior ASM League of history. He got the most points for a draft eligible player in junior ASM League of history. But he is obviously kind of one of the older guys in the draft and like could have 10 days difference in when his mum conceived him and he would have been gone last year. So, you know, that's something that comes into play. And usually I don't play too much into age, but when it's that close to the cutoff, he's had a year more development than most guys. In terms of where you draft him, I wouldn't take a risk on him in the second round. I think maybe some teams will have him ranked top 60 because they think he's going to go to St. Cloud State for four years. In four years' time, he's going to come out of that system, go straight into a middle six role as an NHL winger and put up 40 points for us in his first season. But for me, I think he's a third rounder. I think... He's too good to fall into kind of the fourth round range. There's too much upside there. I don't think you can really let potential fourth, I mean, potential second line players fall to the fourth and fifth round if you think they even have a 20%, 15% chance of making it, just going off draft odds, really. You know, even a late second round pick only has a 25% chance to be a good NHLer down the line. And if he was sat there, kind of, you know, if the if he was sat there when the Flyers are in the fourth round, I don't think there's really going to be many better high adoptions for them. But I don't think he's going to get there. I guess he's going to go kind of in the third round, probably in the late third round, where the Flyers don't have a pick. Um, but if they manage to acquire a pick there, he's definitely one of the guys you look at and you, you're interested simply because you think four years down the line, you're going to get a guy who could walk into the NHL as a second, third line winger. Okay. Yeah, I think Central Scouting had him like 92nd among Europeans, so that would push him to pick 200 or something so so yeah uh i, I do agree that the round sounds about right but uh, i've seen this all him i've seen him ranked all over the place so i have no idea where he's gonna be and plus i think being a european-based junior league player doesn't help his cause in that regard if he was in the chl right now i think there's no doubt he's a third round player even if he's putting up 40 points in 60 games in the chl but We've seen it time and time again, guys, with flaws in the skill set who are playing in European junior leagues can fall. And sometimes the teams who take them, or even in some cases don't take them, when you have a guy like Artemi Panarin, um, can really get kind of lucky with a guy like that who, in a year or two time, he's probably point per game in the NCAA and looking like a potential steal in the draft. So, you know, if he's there when the Flyers pick in the fourth round, I think it will. you'll be hard-pressed to have a better upside option there especially out of draft eligibles. Maybe some overages fall to that point and they have a skill set. But yeah, if he's there in the fourth round, he's definitely a guy who you think, well, let, let's swing for the fences on this guy. Yeah, I think that the going the college route from Europe is, is always going to hurt your draft stock just because you have to play that extra year in junior. So so I don't know if it's all countries in Europe, but at least in Finns, uh, you go to college at 19 instead of 18 basically so a year later than the americans would so you're gonna have to play that extra year of junior hockey because of it so it's, it's always gonna be a bit of a bit of a gamble uh drafting those guys that's interesting i, d- I didn't know that part right there um next on the list here we have 
Daniel Torgerson. And I'm looking at some stats here, Alex, and kid's 18 years old, 6'3", 205 pounds. He was tied for fourth in goal scoring in the Super Elite League with 26. Is this kid a power forward or what? I mean, I wouldn't go so far to call him a power forward, but he's a big boy who can really shoot a puck. He's a really good skater, and not just for his side. And forechecks hard. Harasses defensemen along the boards, and he has a motor that just goes all day. Like a Duracell bunny. Just wind him up, let him go. He's not going to run out of batteries. Like He's a fun player to watch, um, but I wouldn't call him a real power forward right now. Um, in terms of kind of guys in the NHL, when you watch a guy like, say, Jakub Voracek, not the same style player, but he's not super physical until he gets on the boards. He still forechecks hard, backchecks hard, but he's not a super physical player despite his size. And right now, I think Targerson is a bit like that. He uses his size well, but he doesn't use it as physically as he potentially could. Um, in terms of what else about him, though, yeah, he's a pretty much a fully grown man on a very good for a London junior team. And I think that does inflate his stats slightly. Um, they have some really talented players on that team, guys who are going to be drafted, guys who have been drafted. Um, and that probably inflates his stats, especially on the power play. I mean, the guy is a really good power play net front, net front presence. Um, he, he, it's easy to see his skill set there being utilized in an NHL power play as a net front role. A guy who's going to sit around the net like a Wayne Simmons, like a Patrick Hornquist, and just bat pucks home, get deflections, uh, pick up the trash. He's not scared to go to those gritty areas at all. Um, and he uses the size well when people challenge him. But he's not the kind of guy who's going to go out there and hit everything that moves like Wayne Simmons or Scott Hartnell were. So I wouldn't quite describe him as a power forward, but he certainly kind of uses his size well. And yeah, the combination of his shot, his ability around the net, and his skating, along with his work defensively and his forechecking um, make you. Re- I think it's hard to watch him play and not enjoy watching him play and not appreciate his game and not be able to see how he couldn't translate to a really good bottom six NHLer. Now for the issues for me, I think upside is the big issue there. Um, yeah, he has a really good shot and he skates really well, but I don't think he sees the ice that well. I don't think he's that creative. He has good hands, but he's not that creative with them. He doesn't see passes. He doesn't create space for himself that well. He's really a complimentary player. And he's the kind of guy who, yeah, in five years' time, he may well be an NHLer. But if he is in a top six, and I think that's his absolute upside, he's probably a third wheel on a second line. A guy who has a skilled winger on the other side, a good center who can create plays for him. And he's a guy kind of, I wouldn't compare him to Raffle because he's not the same player. But if everyone remembers when Michael Raffle was playing with Claude Giroux and Jakub Voracek, he was very much a third wheel on that line who did the dirty work on the boards, backchecked hard, played good defense, tapped in rebounds up front, and had enough skill that he could play with them and keep up with them. But in an ideal world, you'd want him on your third line when he was at his peak. And I think the same can be kind of said for Togerson's upside. Uh, he's well-rounded, um, and though he has a strong foundation in every area, he still needs to grow offensively and defensively to kind of get to that next level. Um, so he's an interesting player, but definitely not one I would take in the second round, even though his stats are good. He has a nice skill set. He skates well and he's big and there's no worry about him being a pro. He's going to be a professional hockey player, even if it is just as a middle sixer in the Swedish Hockey League a few years down the line. Um, But it's just that upside that kind of, I think, separates him from a guy like Niederbach on the same team who, yep, didn't put up as many points, 
Um, isn't as physically developed, isn't as well-rounded, but you can easily see we need about how he could be a 60-plus point player. With Targerson, I think there's too many holes in his game offensively um, for him to all of a sudden develop a next gear. But down the line, I think he could be a fantastic third-line player who can slot into a top six as a complementary player. Um, and I think in that regard, for me, he's a third-rounder, like a really good third-rounder. Early third round, if you've got a pick there, flyers don't. He's the kind of guy who teams will really look at and go, well, he's kind of got a high high floor and his ceiling. He could potentially play on an NHL second line. Okay. Yoka, thoughts on uh, Daniel Torgerson? Yeah, I, uh, I'm surprised that we see see him so similarly because uh, I know some people would just look at his stats and his size and his skating and say, oh, that that's going to be a superstar. <laughs> we, we're going to take him early in the second round or something. But but yeah, I do agree. I have him around 70. Pick uh, 70, so early third round uh, right now. Uh, I do think he he's going to be a great complementary top nine player. So not the same kind of a player, similar, uh, not the similar style as Nino Niederreiter, but I think he's going to have a similar impact. So that 50-point complementary goal scorer, uh, yeah. that kind of a player, I think he, he can definitely become. And he's very mature, so the wait time is not going to be as long as it will be with with someone like Niederpak, for example. So, so yeah, uh, a lot to like, but... Uh, uh, not someone who will create a lot of offense on his own. So he's going to be, he needs to play with talented players around him. Uh, I'm wondering, and Alex, you could, maybe you could tell me, is is James Van Riemsdyk a good comparison or no? Um, I think he has a higher intensity to his game than Van Riemsdyk. Okay. Uh, but in terms of how he would actually use his size, um, kind of similar. Uses his size well along the boards and around the net and can tip pucks and gets into the gritty areas, but he's not overly physical. Um, I think at the same age, he probably has a more rounded defensive game than Van Riemsdyk, but he doesn't have kind of the high-end skill. That's he has true, a good right? shot, but he doesn't have the hands Van Riemsdyk has, or the creativity, or the passing ability, really. Um, yeah. In terms of potential upside, I can see him as maybe a maybe a 45-point second-line guy who complements a good center well, and fans will enjoy because he's just slot him into any role. He's not going to complain. He'll be able to penalty kill. He'll play hard all day long um, and kind of help your team. So that's kind of where I see him. It sounds like you just described Raffle. I mean, minus the the 40-point seasons, but it sounds like you you just described Michael Raffle a little bit there. You could put him anywhere on the ice. He could put the puck in the net. He could play defense, penalty kill. Um, So he sounds like a pretty solid player. So let's... Move on to the next player on Yoka's list. We have Alexander Pashin. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. Five uh, seven, I think, one of the smallest guys I would I would consider in this second third round range. But I do think he has the skill set to be in in that discussion. Uh, uh, a great skater, great motor, uh, great forechecker. He will he will chase after each and every puck. Uh, he's never not gonna chase a puck. So that's that's something I love about his game. That he he's small, but he's he's going uh, where the action is, driving driving and stealing the pucks. And he's really really talented at stealing pucks. Uh, kind of a Datsukian way in him in that regard. But yeah, uh, 
the concerns really come from that size. Can he and can he be good enough offensively to earn a scoring line role with that size? It, it's not going to be an easy road, but I think it, it is possible. But yeah, uh, another kind of a boom or bust <laughs> type of guy, I guess. Okay. I mean, at 5'7", 154, I mean, the first thing that, that a guy like me sees is size. And then uh, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm automatically turned off. And maybe that's not that's not fair to say. But, you know, when you say when you mention a guy's la- uh, name like Pavel Datsuk, like uh, instantly, like my, my attention perks up and I'm like, OK, so like this, this guy's pretty good then. Uh, Alex, you have yeah, any not thoughts? The, not the same kind of uh, offensive talent, but I think yeah, that's yeah. just a buck stealing talent is, is a similar. And I think a lot of Russians uh, have been learning that that from Datsuk, I guess. So yeah, yeah if you could be if, if you could be mentioned in a sentence in any way, like Pavel Datsuk, <laughs> as long as it's positive. I mean, holy holy crap, man, he was a hell of a player. One of my favorites to ever play in the NHL, Datsuk. Alex, any thoughts on Alexander Passion before we move on? I mean, I think I had some of the most fun watching hockey I have um, earlier this year with him at the Linker. He was ridiculous at that tournament and led a good Russian team and just looked heads and shoulders above other good players. Seven goals in five games and just seemed to be everywhere all the time. I mean, it was kind of, I think, of a case of everything you touch turns to gold. He can't be that good all the time. Um, and I don't think he has obviously been that good all the time. But he's impressed me when I've watched him. And I think if he was three inches taller, you'd be talking about him potentially as a guy who will go 25th overall. Because he does have that kind of ability. I mean, in terms of his upside, I think, yeah, he's probably got good second line upside, 50, 60 points. Um, some of it, obviously now in the NHL, you have guys like Marcia So, you have guys like Tyler Johnson, you have guys like Johnny Goodrow, who are all kind of 5'8", um, and still really good players who can play a decent two-way game and contribute. Um, so I think it's not a complete kind of exclusion for him being 5'7", but in an ideal world, you would like him to grow a couple of inches and put on 30 pounds over the next couple of years. And if he does, does that and continues to develop his game, I don't see any reason why he's not going to be a good middle sixer in the NHL with the potential to kind of score some pretty decent points and maybe have a peak season here or there of 60 points. It is really just a question of, is he going to be able to overcome being five foot seven and physically underdeveloped, grow into that, grow into his frame, get bigger and be able to contribute on an NHL kind of second line? I think a lot of teams will be put off and think he can't play on a third line and his top six are bust. I'm not sure about that. I think there's a potential for him to have a decent impact on a third line with the right combination of line mates down the line. Um, but it'll definitely be a consideration for teams. As for where he goes, I think it's the same again. And uh, he might fall in those draft picks that the Flyers just don't have. I think a team will probably look at him and go, so what if he's five foot seven and take him in the third round? If he falls to the fourth round, he's another consideration. Um, and I mean, this draft is one. People have talked about the depth of this draft and said, yeah, amazing top end, but it's not got that much depth. And I think that is quite a North American centric view of it, first and foremost, because I agree the North American depth is just average. But I think the European depth of this draft is one of the best we've seen in years, along with one of the best European top ends in this draft, especially at forward. There are just so many forwards who you think they might be there in the third or fourth round who could be second liners. And that's not that common. I think usually when you're talking about third rounders who are good third rounders, you're talking about a guy like Targerson who, oh, if he develops perfectly, he could fill in on a second line and be a good third liner. Whereas there's a lot of guys who are here who you're like, 
yeah, they've got flaws, but if they overcome that one flaw, they're going to be a second-line player, and I think he kind of falls into that potential bracket. Okay. Yeah, I think Washington's uh, Linka Gretzky tournament really dro- drove up his value. He he was he looked like a first round pick in that tournament, but uh, the season after that hasn't really been. He, he's been good, and he's a really fun player to watch. That's that's for sure. He's a really flashy player, uh, but yeah, he uh, when you watch him over over the season throughout the season, yeah, you notice that uh, his his skill set isn't just high end enough to consider him even close to first round range. Okay. That's going to do it for Alexander Pashin. Let's move on to a guy who plays in the CHL for the Guelph Storm, uh, Pavel Gogolev. Yeah. um, He's a guy who... There's a few guys this draft. I mean, we spoke about Benjamin Baumgartner a few... uh, an episode or so ago, and I said... He was a guy who I'd watched in his draft year and it came to the end of the draft. And obviously I'm focusing on the Flyers draft picks and thinking about them. And then I think about these guys who like kind of were guys I looked at and thought, oh, that'll be a solid middle round pick. Someone will probably get a steal there. And then they weren't drafted. And Gogolev is in exactly the same boat as Ben Baumgartner with that. He's a two-year overager. He was exceptional for Guelph in the OHL this year. 63 games played, 45 goals, 96 points. And I should point out as well, he didn't rely on the power play. I think he had 1.06, 1.1 uh, non-power play points. He was over point per game, just to even strength. Um, and yeah, he's a two-year overager, but he should have been drafted in 2018. Peter Rubber repeats his draft year. He put 30 goals up at 17-18 in the OHL and wasn't drafted on a team that wasn't that great at all. Um, you know, he just, at that draft, he actually went to the NHL draft in 2018 sat there and sat through the first two days without his name being called and just flew home. Um, Didn't end up being picked at all. Um, And then last year, kind of a guy I kept my eye on, but he had injuries that ruined most of the season. Um, He was traded from Peterborough, uh, finally started to hit his groove with Guelph because he was off that Peterborough team. And he fractured his ankle like nine games into his time with with, uh, Guelph while he was point per game. Um, So once again, I think NHL teams overlooked him because of that after overlooking him in his draft year. And he's a guy as well, he might have a very Russian-sounding name and be definitely Russian, but he's a guy like Provorov who's been in North America for as long as he can probably remember (laughs) at this point. He's been in North America since he's like 12, 13 years old, and he's had more probably hockey education in North America than he has back in Russia. In terms of his skill set, the man just loves to shoot. I mean, there's no danger of him trying to pass it to a teammate on a 2v1. There's no danger of him passing up a shot. He will shoot all day long, and he has a great shot as well. He can just pick corners at will. If you just go through his highlights, every single shot he picks is just bottle, bottle, posting in, <laughs> barring in. It, it's silly. And he has all the shots as well. It's not like he just has a wrist shot that he relies on. He can wrist it. He can snap it. He has a fantastic backhand. And he also has a good slap shot. He can run a power play off the right half boards. I mean, you hear that? And it's, he, his shot is his marquee ability if i was ranking guys over ages under ages everyone in this draft he's probably a guy who's got a top 10 shot top 15 shot in the entire draft ah. um and that's really saying something because this is a good draft from the rest of his offensive skill set he's got nice hands he can dangle but he's not got amazing hands he protects the puck okay and he doesn't really lack confidence but he's not going to dangle past the whole team 
he doesn't have that kind of high-end uh, ability there. And he's not a fantastic playmaker. He can pass okay, but you don't want him with the puck all the time, running the puck. You want someone who can get him the puck to do what he does best. He should maybe pass sometimes when he does shoot. Uh, Jeff Carter-esque in that regard. You know, like, you'll see an open man and you'll be like, mm, you know, you should probably pass there, man. And he'll shoot and a lot of the time score, but sometimes just hit, hit uh, miss high and wide. So that's a bit frustrating, but, you know, you like a guy like that. He would back his own shot and has the confidence. And the reason he wasn't drafted two years ago, quite frankly, is his skating was okay. And he was mediocre to poor defensively and looked unengaged when he was playing two years ago. I'm not sure if that was because he was on a bad team and he was basically just relied on to score and do not much else because they needed him to do that. But over the last two years, from what I've seen, especially this year, now he's fully healthy, he's a good penalty killer. This year, he scored some goals on the penalty kill, created some chances on the penalty kill and utilized above average speed. Once he gets into his first few strides, he can just blow by guys. And on the penalty kill, that's really useful. Um, and defensively, he's better on the penalty kill than even strength, but he works defensively now. He seems to have really applied himself there. I think it seems to have clicked that, you know, I've not been drafted. The reason I wasn't drafted, first and foremost, was my defense. Damn, I should really work on this area and work my ass off every game. And he, and he does that now. And he's on NHL radars. There's no doubt about that. Teams have looked at him and they've looked at him for the last two years. When he wasn't drafted, Detroit took him to their camp. Uh, and then Las Vegas took him to their camp as well. So he's been in NHL camps and they deemed he wasn't worth signing. And I think probably right now, Las Vegas, Golden Knights are probably regretting not signing him last summer. Because if you've got a contract spot and be able to get a guy like that, yeah. I think he'll surely be drafted this year. I think it's just a matter of where. A lot of people, I think, see him as kind of a fifth, sixth rounder. Um, but for me, I mean, when you actually look at his production and what he's done and his skill set, where, where are the question marks? You think, mm, he's one-dimensional to a degree. Not completely one-dimensional because he can penalty kill. He has good speed. He can make a pass. But he's a shot. He's a shot on skates for a lot of his game. For 90% of his game, that's where his value comes from. But I think he's potentially a complimentary second-line winger who could score 25, 30 goals a season with the right center just feeding him and play well on the power play as well. And I don't think his defense or his skating are going to be an issue. And when you look at a guy like that, he's 20 years old as well. He's probably going to go pro next year for whoever drafts him and play in the AHL straight away. And it wouldn't be an enormous shock if he plays a good season in the AHL in a top six role and then potentially makes an NHL training camp two, two years down the line. So for me, I mean, I would honestly look at him in the third round. The Flyers don't have a third round pick, but if he's there at the fourth, I don't think there's going to be many players with a shorter time frame of projection and potentially a higher floor as well. I think whatever, the guy's going to be a good professional hockey player, be that in the NHL, the AHL, the KHL. Um, and I think that kind of value in kind of the fourth round would be a really good pick. Kind of like with Baumgartner, you know, yeah, they're over ages. But I think they're better than a lot of guys who will be in that range who is the first time eligible. So it sounds like he's he's definitely going to get drafted this year. He's not going to get skipped. Yeah, I can't imagine teams pass over him for seven rounds. Hmm. So let's move on to the next prospect on your list here is Amo Vero. Yeah, yeah. Vero was a bit of a surprise this season. So he, he started the season in the junior league, but quickly earned a promotion to the men's level to Liga. And, and even though he wasn't doing anything special there, I, I think it was a great sign that he was able to adjust to the men's level so quickly and and kind of play his own style there. So he's a, he's a puck mover, not a big guy, 
uh, not a physical guy by any means. Uh, doesn't have high-end offensive skill, but but just a good two-way guy with uh, who's leaning more towards offense. Uh, makes great breakout passes. Can carry the puck up the ice. Uh, make good passes in the in the offensive end. Probably not a power play option at the NHL level, but uh, in in lower levels he can also play on the power play. And uh, he had a good good link Gretzky tournament that really put him on the map. And everything since then has just been more of the same, uh, growing throughout the season, getting better and better all the time. So uh, I think in in that I I have him in the third round range I think now so once again sort of a similar story as with Topi Niemelä so you have a guy who's been playing against men already uh, is a really good skater really good puck mover uh, that that gives him a pretty good floor uh, even if he doesn't really even become a second pair guy you can put a guy like him on the third pair and have a have a good puck mover there so uh, I like his NHL certainty, but his upside is not going to be anything special. Uh, some people even have him in the first round. I don't really know why. Oh. I have I haven't seen anything to suggest that he would be worthy of that. Uh, I've talked to a lot of guys in Finland, and no one really sees him that way in in the first round or anywhere near that. But but yeah, I have seen some rankings having him that high, and it, it's a bit of a surprise, but. But yeah, uh, I guess everyone sees everyone differently. Yeah, that that's really interesting, especially after hearing what you just had to say about him. First round sounds pretty darn high. Uh, Alex, do you have similar thoughts on on uh, Vero? Yeah, I, I mean he's got a really high floor. He's already a professional hockey player and a pretty good one in Liga. There's you know a young guy who's on a third pairing. He actually, to a degree, kind of reminds me of a guy the Flyers might let go in Linus Hugby. He's a guy who, yep, doesn't have an immensely high ceiling, but there's no reason he's not going to be a good NHLer if he just continues to progress, at least as a number six or so, because he skates really well. He's very solid defensively. He has a good active stick. He's good at his own blue line. There are no big red flags there. And all you have to question is, well, is there any potential that he could even put up 25 points in the NHL? Not sure about that, but I think it's possible that he could maybe put up 20, 25 points in the NHL and be a number four defenseman is his absolute kind of upside. But more likely, you know, down the line, he's a guy who, at very worst, is going to be able to play in the AHL as a top guy um, and fill in in the NHL. And yeah, you're probably going to get a solid third pairing defenseman out of him who, you know, there's a good chance he's going to hit that. Okay. All right. So that's uh, Vero. And let's move on here because we're coming to the end of the show here. So I'm going to get uh, the last couple guys in and uh, I'll toss this one to Alex. We have... Igor Sokolov is a guy that you like. Yeah, I think he's a guy who you're going to probably like my description of. Um, <laughs> is he 240 pounds and he's 19 years old? Yeah, oh six foot four, 240 pounds. Uh, I've got to see him live at the World Juniors this year. And he was another guy like Gogolev um, and like Baumgartner, who two years ago I was like, well, I think he should have been drafted. I mean, he had big flaws two years ago that he's kind of ironed out to a degree. Um, as you can probably imagine, at 240 pounds um, and six foot four, he doesn't move that well. And two years ago, 
that was even more pronounced. Um, when he came to his draft year, he put up solid stats, similar to Gogolev. But I think people saw the skates in them and were just like, well, how is this guy going to play in the NHL? Because his skating was poor. He, and he was also on a very, very poor Cap Breton team in the QMJHL, even though he had kind of good junior tournaments going into the draft. Uh, but in the last kind of year, he's really made people sit up um, and take notice. I'll say. Um, last year, he was on a, once again, a very mediocre on team and didn't produce that exceptionally um but this year he's just taken a completely enormous step and found a different gear um and that resulted in him going to the world juniors for russia where he was good and produced you know uh, three goals four points in seven games and came home with a silver um spent a lot of time actually playing with zamula um defending leads and those kind of things at times and also on the power play as a net front presence in terms of what's good about him the guy has a fantastic shot like his countryman gogolev they have some of the best shots in the draft um, and uses his ridiculous frame to get to the slot really well. Um, and he will get involved around the net and just bully people there. He uses every single pound of that 240 pounds to just abuse 180 pound junior players and makes it look easy. Even when he was at the World Juniors, people just can't move him. Once he decides he's going to the net front, no one is stopping him. And he'd be one of the heavier players in the NHL right now. As well as that, he's a complete monster on the boards, as you'd imagine. He'll, he'll win two men battles. And he's really not scared of physicality. He'll get engaged in cross-checking matches with people and he'll win them. Um, in terms of the rest of his skill set, he's not just a big bruising guy. I mean, he's not overly physical for his size, but he uses his size well. Um, he has really nice hands. For a guy who's six foot four and 240 pounds, he has soft hands. Um, he can go round guys all through them. And he has the tenacity to do that. In terms of defense, he's solid. He's not bad defensively. He's no stalwart. He's not going to be, you know, a go-to on your penalty kill or a guy you send out with a one-goal lead. But he's solid. There's no issues with his defense whatsoever. And while his skating needs work, over the last two years, he's definitely learned how to get from point A to B okay. You know, his straight line speed is fine once he gets up to the gear. He just lacks a bit of acceleration. He's not like Matthew Strome level bad skating. It's not like the guy can't skate. You know, you don't go to a World Juniors and be able to produce and be able to play defense against the best players in your class without having some semblance of skating ability. So that has ironed itself out in the last couple of years. And honestly, his production is, and I don't use this word unlikely, uh, lightly, unprecedented in uh, junior hockey for, an, for a two-year draft eligible guy. He put up 92 points in 52 games with 46 goals. But what was silly was, even though he's very good on the power play, he didn't have that much help. And his even strength production was 1.4 points per game. 1.4 points per game at even strength, which is preposterous. You know, there are guys who can't put up 1.4 points per game at power play and even strength combined um, who are good prospects. Um, in terms of kind of NHL interest, there's been a lot of NHL interest in him now. You have some teams, I think, who will have him in the third round and potentially even think about, you know what, let's go for a home run and pick him number 60 with our late second rounder columbus i think are probably regretting them not signing him columbus had been hot on his tail since his draft year they invited him to both their camps he's been at columbus camps for two years in a row um and last year was their best player in the rookie camp and the best player in the prospects tournament and he got to the nhl camp and they cut him uh he played a game in the nhl camp and then they cut him he was one of the last cuts and they didn't give him a contract 
And I think they probably regret that now. And in terms of upside, he's a kind of guy who kind of reminds me to a degree. They're not exactly the same. Of Patrick Maroon, who the Flyers let go. Uh, you know, a guy who isn't the best skater, who isn't amazing defensively, but his combination of size, tenacity, and a great shot and good around the net mean that, you know, he has the potential to be a really good NHL middle sixer and in the very immediate future. He could, he's a kind of guy who someone might take in the third or fourth round and him potentially make their team as a third liner next year. I mean, I don't think it's likely, but there's a chance. I mean, I'm intrigued. He had my attention right away. Six foot four, 240 pounds. I mean, that's a big dude at, at any level and especially in a, in a men's league. 240 pounds is 240 pounds. It doesn't matter what league. I mean, that's a big boy. If you could put the puck in the net a little bit, I mean, you're, you're absolutely valuable to uh, an NHL team right away. Like you said, he could potentially be put on the third line uh, the year after he's drafted, next season. So I'm a little bit intrigued there. Uh, Igor Sokolov. So let's move on real quick here. And we're coming to the end. And the last prospect, uh, and if if you guys have anybody else you want to toss in here, the last prospect I have on the list is Jan Bednar. And I'll toss that one to Yoka. Okay. Uh, yeah, Bednar is is a well-known goalie prospect from from the Czechs. Uh, he's been well known for a couple of years now, I think. So, one of the one of the top goalies in his age group uh, played at the men's level already last season and played really well, really really well. Uh, I think this season was a bit of a disappointment, uh, but then again, he also didn't get much of an opportunity. The games he, he got to play were against the top teams in the league and he had no business playing against them at age 17 really. So it was a bit of a trying season I guess. Uh, but yeah, he has a lot of potential. He's probably going to slide maybe even fourth round. But uh, one of the one of the better goalie prospects in this draft class. So I guess after Askarov and Blomqvist, uh, you can start considering him and obviously Nick Malik as well, the other other Czech goalie. Okay. Uh, Bednar, Bednar was the final cut from the Czech uh, World Juniors team. So he almost made it as a, as a number three guy there, but they chose Nick Malik ahead of him. So uh, next year, definitely going to be on the World Juniors team, I think. And that's going to drive up his value when, when he gets to play at that level. All right. Sounds like there's a lot of room for growth there. Yeah. Alex, thoughts on Jan Bednar? He's a really interesting guy. And I think especially for Flyers fans, he's really interesting because we spoke about Blomquist, And I think Blomquist will fall in that range where the Flyers really can't pick him. Um, and obviously, you know, Askarov at the top of the draft, there's no no chance he's going outside the first round. So, He's probably not getting past 15 because he's just such a ridiculous goalie. I think Bednar is actually the most likely goalie for the Flyers if they decide to draft a goalie because he has a high talent level and he potentially gets to the fourth round. And he has a track record. I mean, last year, what he did as a 16-year-old in a good professional men's league was pretty exceptional. 15 games played, 0.916 save percentage. Yeah, this year he struggled. But when you look at his skill set, he's really mobile. He has a big frame, you know, six foot four and 200 pounds. He's really calm in that. He doesn't seem to kind of get himself in too many struggles. 
And he has a really, really good glove hand. I think one of the biggest issues with a lot of prospects, especially in the last 10 years, they're fantastic technically, but they just don't have um, a great glove hand. They can go low really well. Everyone now is well-versed in technique at the kind of men's men's level and play very technically similar hockey. But he has a really good glove. But while he looks calm and has a great glove and he's agile and big for his uh, has a big frame, he has really big issues when I've watched him with consistency. He just seems to switch off at times and get a step behind the play. Um, and it means that even though he has great athleticism and a good glove, he can get himself into complete binds where he just it's impossible for him to even make the save. And so that's a concern. And obviously goalies are voodoo, but it's something that you go, yep, great talent level, but is his calmness um, kind of beneficial for him to a degree? And is his hockey IQ as high as a guy like Blomqvist, which I don't think it maybe is because he gets himself into positions where it just seems like he doesn't see a play developing. And once you get to a faster level of hockey, I mean, Czech League is a pretty good level of hockey anyway. You know, you're probably talking after NHL, KHL, SAL, AHL, Liga, NLA. You know, there's an argument for it being kind of, you know, the seventh best hockey league in the world, approximately. And he plays okay at that level already. But yeah, his um, anticipation worries me at times. He just, he doesn't see plays that, obviously, it's easier when you're watching on video with the whole of the ice. But you can see the play developing, and he doesn't seem to be able to at times. And that's a slight concern. But in terms of talent level, if he's there in the fourth round and the Flyers want a goalie, I think he's kind of the, he's a great option. Yeah, I mean, eventually, I mean, some of these guys are going to start coming up through the ranks. I mean, we're looking at Sandstrom, Hart's already here, obviously, uh, Urson. I know I'm going to miss guys. There's so many to name. But, you know, as they start moving up through the ranks, I don't see any problem with, you know, spending a, a draft pick on a guy like Bednar. And it's going to take, I'm going to just throw out five, six years before he, you know, sniffs NHL action at 18 years old, you know, maybe 24, 25 is, you know, usually how old a goalie is when he comes up. I think it's more rare when a guy like Carter Hart comes up at, what was he, 20, 21 years old. Um, so I'd, I'd be okay with them using a pick on, on Jared Bednar if it comes down to it. Guys, that's the end of our episode here unless you guys have any prospects that we missed that you want to throw out there real quick before we wrap up i think um there's only really one guy i'd probably like to talk about just briefly he's a guy from um from the canadian junior leagues but he is a european just so we make sure we stay on the fully euro topic uh he's also a czech like bednar and has played on the same junior teams as bednar at times um pavel novak um guy he moved over to um Kelowna in whl last year after being kind of one of the more hotly tipped young Czech prospects. And he's a guy who, when you look at, he's a confusing guy for me in that people look at where he's ranked and where people think he's going to go. NHL Central Scouting for North America had him at 85th, which is kind of like fifth, sixth round range. And when I've watched him, I just don't see how on earth they've ranked him so lowly. I think he's a guy who you think about in the early third round. I mean, what he did this year with Kelowna, 58 points in 55 games, 25 goals. Not overly impressive for a draft eligible, but still. You know, they're the kind of numbers you look at and you think second round pick potentially. He is slightly undersized and he did have help on that team for half the season at least uh, from Nolan Foote, who was a you know great prospect from last year. But when I look at his skill set, there's just not that much kind of trepidation that would make me think you really, really don't want to pick this kid. He skates really well. He's great at finding lanes in the offensive zone and getting into space. Really quick hands, a solid shot, but 
passing is where he really wins. He just finds tape all day long, no matter what. He's the kind of guy who he'll have two sticks between him and his recipient, and he'll just saucer it over both of them, clean, land on tape for a perfect shot. Um, he really likes to push play, which I really like to watch. He constantly wants to get up ice, wants to make things happen, um, get on the horse and just go. Um, and he's good on the power play as well from the right half boards and uses his put handed skills and uh, vision to drift into the center of the ice and to um, right point as well, which is quite quite fun to watch. In terms of the issues and in terms of why I understand why NHL scouts might not like him, for a skilled guy who's good on his skates with a solid shot and can pass really well, he does at times play a real perimeter game. Um, he kind of drifts out of the game, doesn't get into the zones where he's really effective because when he comes up center ice, he is really effective. Just plays around the edge of the zone, offloads the passes a bit too quickly when he can wait a bit longer and find great space for people. He does that on a regular basis, so you'd like to see it more often. Um, but he's a guy who, you know, he might well be there in the fourth round. And if he's there in the fourth round, I start to think, well, I just don't see enough holes in his game as to why to let him drop much further. He's also pretty much been a mainstay with a letter on his jersey for the Czech junior teams. Um, so obviously he's well-respected by the Czech junior setup. Um, he generally kind of treat young players, I wouldn't say badly, but the Czechs and Slovaks are pretty well known for kind of treating their junior players a bit more Soviet-style old school, even though, of course, they weren't Soviets, but um, compared to North America, Sweden, Finland. And he's a really interesting player. You know, he's been a mainstay on the Czech junior teams. I mean, really good in international competition for a few years. Last year, he was point per game for under-17 level. This year, he has seven goals in seven games for the Czech under-18 team. Um, even though he's more of a playmaker. So he's a guy who I think, well, you know, if he's there in the fourth round, he's I really consider him. And he doesn't just rely on the power play either. He's scored, I think, 0.9, or not over, around 0.8 um, points per game at even strength when he's just over point per game. So he hasn't, you know, he hasn't just lived off the power play. He's, a, he's an interesting player and one who, despite being a bit smaller and kind of, yeah, you would like to see him maybe be a bit more consistent and, maybe play less on the perimeter. He could easily be a second liner in a few years. And he's a guy who, yeah, is interesting to me. Yeah, I think Novak was one of the biggest surprises who were cut from the World Juniors rosters out of any country. So he didn't even get invited to the final camp for the Czechs. And I, I have no idea why he would have been, I think, a top six option for them. Wow. Or should have been at least. So uh, maybe that plays into the rankings a bit as well, that he... He didn't get chosen to the World Juniors, and some lesser players did get chosen there. So That's interesting. The same as um, the, one of the guys we spoke about last time, Martin Kromiak. You know, this year, like if he, ha- if he hadn't have gone to North America, he probably would have fallen into the third, maybe fourth round, because he wasn't being played by his team in Slovakia. And the Slovakian and Czech junior teams can sometimes just be really harsh on younger players. Um, same as the coaches over there in the men's league. They won't play them. They'll cut guys, even if they're good players and potentially could be top sixes because of age and inexperience. Um, I think that's hurt his stock, but I just don't see him being less than a third-round talent. So I think he's a potential steal later on. Okay. Steal. I mean, uh, that's that's a big deal. That's something you... I, I think once you get into those later rounds, I think most teams are looking for players like that now. I mean, it's, it's 17 years old, 5'10". He's only 170 pounds, but he's only 17 years old. So he should he should grow into his frame a little bit more. Uh, he's a winger, like you mentioned, right-handed shot. Uh, 
58 points in 55 games in his first season for Kelowna. That's I don't think that's anything to sneeze at. You know, uh, I, I'm assuming he's going to play with them again next season, right? Yeah, I, I guess he will stay in North America now he's came over. So I uh, guess you're probably going to see him play next year in Kelowna and then teams will see kind of how he's done in the CHL and potentially bring him to the AHL. Yeah, yeah. Next season, I think in, in it's going to be a big year to, to see what he does because he, he put up, he had a solid season. 25 goals, 33 assists in 55 games. You would you would assume that he would improve on those numbers, and you know how much so is is what what we want to look for. That's that's interesting. So yeah, and when we've often seen European guys struggle a bit in their first CHL season, so I think uh, just jumping jumping to the CHL and being able to produce right away is is obviously a good sign. And and yeah, another year in, in the junior league, most likely, and maybe then against men after that yeah but yeah uh, like you mentioned i think teams really should be targeting that kind of a player in those especially those mid rounds where you can still find uh middle six forwards uh but unfortunately they often choose those really boring number six defensemen yeah looking for the sure thing type uh, type player yeah i'd be looking for the steals yeah, yeah, I would also gamble on, on talent and hope hope to hit some of those potential middle six guys instead of uh, maybe getting too many number six defensemen on the on the. Yeah, the way I always see it is, if you've got a fourth round pick, if you've got ten fourth round picks over ten years, would you rather have ten Chris Vandervelds or kind of one <laughs> Andre Pallat? You know, there's not yeah. even a competition. You. Yeah, take us, take us. I always go for the talent, you know. I mean, the sure thing—it's—it's it's just so boring, and then you end up, like you said, with, you know, potentially a, a bunch of Chris Vandevaldis. Jesus. Yeah, and I think those sure things end up busting more often than the gambles eventually. So yeah, uh, you'll eventually notice that okay, they don't have enough skill to play in the NHL. Yep. All right, so uh, pretty good prospect to end the show with. There, it sounds like we're all. Pretty intrigued with Pavel Novak, and I, I know I'll be looking out for him next season and uh, definitely during the draft. Uh, <clears throat> Yoka, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Before we wrap up, do you have anything you want to promote? Do you want, have any? I know the draft is coming up, so you're doing a lot of interviews and whatnot. Yeah, uh, you can find my work at doperprospects.com. Uh, I spent way too much time on Twitter, so <laughs> look me up from there if, if you want. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's about it. Okay. And Alex, any plugs for the listeners? Well, apart from kind of, well, the Athletic Philadelphia are going to be doing quite a lot of draft work um, just before the draft, um, whenever the draft may be. Uh, so, yeah, keep a look at, look out for that. And I think uh, me and Charlie will be kind of trying to go through a lot of players. We already have some content that's already there. So we're just waiting for the draft to drop this. Some interesting interviews with some players who might be of interest to the Flyers. Um, so that will potentially be there in a few months' time whenever the draft may be. And uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at AV Appleyard. I will generally just talk about sleeper prospects and stats and random flyer stuff. So yeah, if you're not following me already, do. And also, yeah, follow Yaka because in terms of his Twitter, he puts out some great highlights of European prospects. And at times I've utilized that when I haven't seen too much of a prospect and want to kind of get an insight into them. So yeah, he's a great follow. Yeah, I can also say that I've, I've just recently started following Yoka and Puts out great stuff. Very informative. Very, very knowledgeable. 
that's going to do it for episode four, guys. I want to thank our guest once again for joining us. Uh, we'll let you finally get to bed, Yoke. I know. What, what time is it over there? It's got to be close to 10 o'clock, right? Uh, almost 11. Almost 11. Yeah, so we'll let you go. Thanks so much for hanging out. We really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, man. Uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll uh, be back with you guys here in an hour for the Stay safe, everyone. Watch the game. Stay in there. Do the six feet thing. And uh, we'll be back with another episode pretty soon. Shut up and sit down.